1: Welcome back to another episode of Within the Lines, a podcast where two best friends use their patent pending movie ranking skill to determine the true quality of a film. Today is Thursday, February 1st, 2024, and today, for the second week in a row, we are reviewing a Best Picture-nominated film. Mm-hmm. And it is not the movie we teased last week because we made a pivot. Yeah, We are reviewing Poor Things. Mm-hmm. We talked about this movie last week, and we made it Audible because it, it is showing. It's now league. showing in our region, correct? Yeah. So, we said we better go. Get this one knocked out. You better go. Correct. Because as the podcast listeners know, I have been talking about poor things for quite some time. Uh, I saw it about a month ago. Maybe a little bit more than – about a month ago. And I I told you about it. I predicted in last week's episode that it would win the most Oscars of any movie this year. And uh, I was excited for you to see it. And that's why we made the pivot. Yeah. Wild movie. And one listener, co-worker Josh, went and saw this movie on my recommendation. Oh, and then told him podcast is coming out. I'm excited to see how what Ty thinks of it. And he said, I am too. Love that. I can't wait to not let Josh down. Let's get into the show. 60% of the
0: time, it works every time. Damos.
1: What? We just become best friends. Yup. I don't feel so good. Oh! Ah! I'm not fucking leaving. Ah! Show goes on! When a mad scientist puts a baby's brain into a full-grown woman's body, we get to see the girl mature and experience all life has to offer in the most unorthodox of ways. Poor things. to thousand twenty-three comedy slash drama. It's got a ninety-three percent on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, an eighty percent audience score, which yep. is uh, a little bit predictable with the subject matter of this film. Um, it is nominated for a lot of awards. Uh, it has become, I, I would say, the um, the vice president of the film bro community during this Oscar cycle. Because I still feel like Killers of the Flower Moon, the film bros are trying real hard, real hard to make excuses why that movie's not going to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this movie has become the, the film bro fallback plan. Got it. Um, and I know that just based on the clientele that was at the movie theater when I went and saw the movie. Uh, there were some old people who left, which was to be expected. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Um, and there was a lot of people our age, couples our age. You could tell they were film enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that when we left the theater, uh, most of the people stayed for the credits. That's always a sign of a film bro or sis. I shouldn't leave the females out there. are film sis is out there. And uh, we went to the th- the restroom, came out, and then that's when like the whole rest of the group kind of came out. And I heard like three different... uh. Couples of people just talking, not with each other, but independently talking about different, like like we would talk on the podcast. Like, okay. wow, I just really loved how how uh, blah blah blah, or I love this, or I love how the character was so liberating and stuff like that. And I was like, these people know what they're talking about. Now, yeah, I can't look down my nose. I have a podcast where we spend an hour talking about these films, breaking them down. Yeah, but I still kind of judge people when they're breaking movies down that quickly right when they walk out of the theater. Yeah. But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, we do this every week, mm-hmm. but I don't, we let it simmer. Yeah, like we I tell us, uh, this doesn't really apply to this, uh, you know, so to say, but when I'm on social media and I have like a Chargers take and someone claps back at me, tells me I'm dumb or does like an old takes exposed, I just yeah. tell them, hey, I get paid to tweet about sports. <laughs> you just tweet into the ether. <laughs> so... uh, Factually, we do get paid to talk about movies. not We don't have to disclose how much. Okay, I won't say what I was going to say. <laughs> but we do. Factually, we have a podcast. So I think yeah. we could say that to the film bros and sisters that are walking out of the theater making astute observations. Mm. Yeah, no, I, you're not wrong. No, I will say, do you think it th- sounds like they were enjoying the movie and like really breaking it down?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. They disagreed with Wendy on Rotten Tomatoes who said, Felt like I was watching a porno. And the movie felt like it was dragging from the main focus of what the movie was about. I think the porno is what the movie was about. Yeah, so if you haven't seen this film and you you listen to us talk about it, that makes you want to go see it. First of all, great. Thank you. Second of all, be prepared. There is a lot of intercourse in this film. Um, You thought Oppenheimer had a lot. This blows Oppenheimer out of the water Mm -hmm. um, with the amount of intercourse that's in this. So much so that there is a, I don't want to say subplot, but a portion of the plot where she is a, uh, sex worker yeah in, in in Paris. Yeah. And uh you just have to be prepared for that because you know, people get uncomfortable with sex scenes in movies. I get it. I don't think it was pointless. I I think there was obviously a reason for it um in telling the story it did. Uh did they go a little crazy with it? Yeah, a little bit, but <laughs> it was their movie to make yeah. and Emma Stone was down. Apparently, because they didn't shy away from it. No. Um I do think it added to the story and it makes sense like once we get into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very graphic. Yeah. Which was surprising. I knew it was our rating. And then you said that there was a lot of sex in it. Yeah. I didn't think it was like that though. Well, that's what I told Josh. He he was telling me he was going to see. He's like, anything I should know. And I was like, there is a lot of sex. Yeah. Be prepared. Like yeah. as much as much sex as you think there is, there's a little bit more. Yeah. So, just be prepared. I never, in my wildest dreams, thought I would see that much of Mark Ruffalo's ass. And it's not anything, there's no, nothing, like, crazy, like, yeah, no, but, it, it, yeah, it's not like it's, like, you know, penetration. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you don't see anything like that, and it's nothing like Fifty Shades of Grey, to an extent, I mean, a little bit, I guess, when she's a sex worker, but, um it's nothing, like, super, super vulgar. There's just a big amount of it. Yes. So, I don't... Do we see a, a male genitalia? I don't remember. Yeah, dead body.
0: That's right. Not, like, actually... Pretty early
1: on in the film, actually. Yeah, yeah. But never in the course of That sets. primes you for it. it. Yeah, it gets you ready. <laughs> so, that's <laughs> that's the appetizer for what's coming up. Uh, Ty, as a Cinemark Movie Club holder... Mm, yeah. How was your film audience? How was your experience? Was, it, was there fellow Cinemark Movie Club members? Um... I'm not sure. You, I did use my- You get like a shirt or something. I bet I could. Or I like a little I a, lanyard. I think <laughs> I get a discount on merch. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, don't know. I do know I used my one free uh, movie ticket a month to go see this. Didn't pay anything for the ticket. Nice. So, I, I mean, I didn't want to waste it on a Tuesday. Went on a Wednesday. Made sure I got my full value. Okay. Well, if you went yesterday, that was January 31st. So, that mean you use your free movie ticket for the month in the very last day it, of the month? Yeah. No, I think it's like based on- When you signed up. When you signed up. Also, they they roll over. So- Oh, they don't okay. expire. I was going to say that was perfect timing by you if yeah. you did. No, I would just had two this month. That's how great the uh, movie club is. No, it was an empty theater. Um, were you by yourself? No, maybe uh, like 10 people. It would have been really weird if I was by myself. Yeah. I would have felt more uncomfortable. But <laughs> there's maybe like 10 people in it. Uh, mixed bag. There was an old dude sitting up front all by himself. Mm-hmm. A couple of like teenagers behind me. And then I had a nice little group of like four film bros and film broettes. Were the Were the teenagers cackling at every sex scene? A little bit. Yeah. Well, they couldn't have been teenagers. It's rated R, so. 17? 17 17-agers? 17-agers. Got it. Um, But yeah, it was, I mean, I didn't have any issues with Projector, I can tell you that much. (laughs) They should, for Cinemark Movie Club, I don't know if Cinemark has the lights. I know at uh, Civic Plaza, there's the little blue light in your cup holder. Or I think, no, it is Cinemark that might have the little blue light. Am I making that up? I don't remember. In the cup holder, I think there might just be a little blue ring of lights in okay. the cup holder, you know, just for, like, cool aesthetics. Yeah. They should make it, if you're a Cinemark Movie Club member, that turns gold. Oh. Because so, you sign up for your seat, obviously. Yeah. So so people know. know. Yeah. And, like, they're like, there's a fucking, they're just waiting for me to show up. <laughs> like, this guy's a movie club member. Yeah. And it's gold as soon as you buy the right. ticket. Well, maybe not as soon as you buy it because the theater might be yeah. used for something else. But as soon as they get it ready, it, it switches gold. Transfer's over. So then everyone walks in. They see the gold seat. They're just waiting for you to show up. I'm thinking next time because, like before each movie, they'll do an ad for the movie club. Mm -hmm. I might just wave to the crowd. Oh, little victory! Just pull it. Hey, they're talking about me. (laughs) Coming an influencer for Cinemark Movie Club. Uh, I will say about my group of people that watch this. I might have shared this story on the podcast. I've definitely shared it with you. That this was the film where. There's actually, like, actual funny moments in this film that are, like, you know, actually laugh out loud funny. Yeah. And uh, the couple next to us thought everything was funny to a little bit of a extreme. And to the point where the gentleman in the couple, I'm assuming they were a couple, uh, was slapping his knee. That's and, fantastic. And Riley literally said... Jay was a knee slapper because he laughed at something that wasn't funny and slapped his knee. Mm-hmm. Think the guy I heard Riley because he mm-hmm. did not slap his knee the rest of the movie. Yeah. And I feel bad that I may or may not have ruined his movie go going experience. That's always going to be a connection. Whenever you think of this movie. Yeah. Is how bad you made that guy feel while enjoying this film. That's like my, my favorite Stuber story. You know, if I would have done that to that couple in Stuber, that couple might still be together. Who knows? They might be married and have children. This was like four or five years ago. Yeah, It's very possible. And if I would have said, Hey, Right, that was a knee slapper. I couldn't because she was asleep during stuber. (laughs) That couple may not have made it past the first date. Yeah. No, it could have been devastating for them. But uh, no, in this movie, honestly, my crowd was kind of quiet. I had a couple of like, I was laughing out loud moments. Slap her knee. I didn't slap my knee. (laughs) But like there's a couple times where it was a very quiet, empty theater. I was the only one making noise. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I didn't like it. All jokes aside. Whenever you have a genuine, genuine knee slapper moment and you actually slap your knee, not doing it ironically, mm-hmm. that's just like top five moment of your life, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like, I, I almost had a knee slapper moment reading one of your uh, previous tweets. <laughs> Thanks, Ty. Yeah. When I said I was promoted editorial director and you said, that's pretty funny. Who yeah, trusted you yeah, to do that? It's fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, Ty. <laughs> um, let's jump into the scale. I'm a little, uh, I'm excited to talk about this. I'm intrigued to see how my analysis and breakdown is considering I saw this a month ago and usually it's pretty fresh when we do movie reviews. Yeah. If it's an older movie, I rewatch it or it's a movie we've seen in the last 10 days or so. I think we did this before with another movie where I saw it before you somewhat recently. I don't remember what film it was, but I remember seeing it and then we eventually reviewed it, you know, a few weeks later, but was it Godzilla minus one. Yeah, might've been. I yeah. think I watched that cause I heard it was good. Told you about it. We had nothing. So we, we pigeonholed <laughs> yeah. Godzilla in. so, and that was good for Godzilla minus one. Great movie. Movie got an 88. Will poor things top it? I don't know. We'll see. Talk to me, Jay. Plot Plot slash story. Whoa. This is the story of... See, I had so many great points like the following days (laughs) after the movie. Like I was articulating it well and everything. Yeah. It's a story of liberation as one of my movie goers said. Mm -hmm. It's also a story in my opinion. So the... First of all, the plot. The plot is like you said in your synopsis. It is a, a... a adult woman who gets a baby's brain put in her because she tried committing suicide and she was pregnant and it was this scientist crazy Frankenstein-esque experiment mm-hmm. and we follow her as she's becoming more self-aware and more knowledgeable and learning and all this stuff and there's a lot of you know different things that happen as she goes on this journey uh you know she goes away with Mark Ruffalo's character and that's what kind of causes this journey she eventually comes back then you know she finds out who she really was before she died you know, kind of writes that wrong, and then you get the ending where she's with the guy who originally proposed to her. They turned her old husband, who was a jerk, into like a chicken, mm-hmm. and uh, all is good chicken? in the world. I don't remember what it was. It was a month ago. Goat. Goat. I believe it was goat. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. That yeah. was a. That actually might change my score. Okay. Um, <laughs> the story is a story of liberation, and a story of humanity. Okay. And I. I I hate talking in vague terms like this cuz this is something someone would read online yeah. and recycle it. If all you didn't off. see this movie saw your review of it, you'd be like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's talking yeah. about. Yeah. No, yeah, I would be judging him. Just yeah. like uh the Banshees of Inisherin. 100%. But to me it was like this story of of humanity and almost like the how humanity almost like maybe not humanity but society and I don't know, the story of like how that kind of corrupts you and like you see her in the beginning and uh, she's very uh, quirky. They they use a certain word to describe her in the film, which I will not repeat on the podcast. Mm, Yeah. Um, But, you know, and it's weird. And She's playing this quirky character and it's very obvious she's a, has a one-year-old mind and a, you know, 30-year-old body or whatever. She's very Mm -hmm. adolescent despite being a full-grown woman. Yeah. And, um she goes through life and different things happen and she discovers things. And like it, whether it be all the sex with Mark Ruffalo mm-hmm. or seeing all the, uh, poor, you know, slaves or whatever they were in the one town they were in and they're, they're hungry and starving. And that yeah. kind of was her first kind of turning point in the film where she woke up and she realized life isn't just this grand adventure where I can go to these pretty places and just have furious jumping all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and you start seeing her become more sophisticated and more, um, you know, self-aware and all this stuff. It was almost like an accelerated, I've never seen the movie, but it reminded me of like an accelerated boyhood. It's just like you watch like the growth of an entire character throughout their life in two and a half hours, two hours, 15 minutes, whatever this is. And just the, the underlying messages of humanity and societal pressure. And I'm sure there's even some feminist undertones and how unfair it is, you know, for the different, um what's the word? Um, standards for sex for men versus you know, when it was Mark Ruffalo just taking advantage of her, it was all cool and dandy. And then she wants to be a sex worker and it's viewed as like this bad, ugly thing by Mark Ruffalo. So I think there's a lot of underlying tones about this. And it's one of those films where like a film instructor in college, not to brag, I took a film class, uh, can assign this movie. And there's almost like four or five different essays you can get out of it based on different themes. And like, I feel like I feel like this is one of those movies – I always shit talk people who say this, but I feel like this is one of those movies where there really is multiple interpretations. (laughs) And even if you don't have, like, the the director's direct interpretation, there's just so many deep thematic themes that I think are obvious enough – they're not in-your-face obvious, but they're obvious enough where the audience can understand it. Because the the flip side of that is when it's like you're really reaching for straws, and then it's like, come on, you didn't actually think that. Yeah. I got a bird brain, and I thought all this, so I gave it an 18 out of 20. Yeah, no, I I mean – It's digestible enough. There is a lot of deeper shit when you think about it and everything, but it's not like buried within. And like you said, you're not grasping at straws. Yeah, it's surface level enough to where you can pick up on some of it. And then when you look at it as a whole, you see like this story of life and -hmm. this person. I I, there was a book that I believe we read in middle school, Flowers Flowers for Algernon. For Algernon, yeah, yeah. And it's about a mouse where they enhance his intelligence, and he starts out a little mouse brain. I thought it was a human. Mouse. I thought it was a human for the longest time too, and then I was trying to find the book. Whoa, this is like Bernstein Bears. Yeah. No, I I The whole movie's a mouse? Well, it's a book. the whole book's sim- a... Yes. I thought they tested on the mouse and then gave it to a human. Nope. Laboratory mouse who has undergone surgery to increase in- his intelligence by artificial means. I thought the same thing, and I couldn't wow. find the book, and then I realized it wasn't a human, it was a mouse. Mandela effect right there. But it starts out, and like the dialogue and everything is the thoughts of this at a very, very simple level. And even the spelling is wrong. Correct. Yeah. yeah. It's a fucking awesome book. Which, you're not ever going to hear that from me. <laughs> so, um, But it gives that same kind of tone where you see the yep. intelligence level and and the events that are playing out in the movie being understood and viewed in such a different way by the main character as she comprehends things differently and, and goes on with her life and, and has more experiences and, and grows throughout the entire thing. And it's her going on this adventure, seeing all that life has to offer, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the ugly. Mm-hmm. All in between. Mm-hmm. And and seeing it through this lens of a character who at first, it's all about just enjoyment. Yeah. And she doesn't give a fuck. She wants to have sex. She wants to go on adventures. She's like, yeah, I'm going to get married, but also I'm going to leave you and go have sex and go on a boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then while on that adventure, like, witnesses the ugly side of humanity and what it, it also is outside of just good times. Mm-hmm. And all of that is just so interesting to watch. As this movie plays out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am I think you said you gave it an 18. I'm at an 18 out of 20 as well. Yeah. And like I'm, I'm I Googled poor things themes um, just to see what people are saying. And like there's, they're all around the same centralized idea of you seeing this character grow and develop and, you know, enjoyment all at first. And then, you know, tragedy, all that stuff. It's all around those same themes, but there's so many different interpretations. You know, there's some that's about like the feminist, um undertones and the liberation and all that. And then this one, uh you know, this one says challenges patriarch patriarchic I can't say that word, norms, through Bella's period of sexual liber- liberation showcasing women's agency and choice in their sexual, blah blah blah, because I didn't click the article. This is just the Google. No. Like I'm not gonna tell them that's wrong. But then there's another one that says, uh Where is it? There was a good one right here. Poor Things argues that kindness, empathy, compassion, and intellectual responses and products are products of conditioning rather than natural human or, urges. Okay, and products I don't know, whatever it says. But yeah. there's like different takes uh for this film, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure one of the most google things, maybe this is a good SEO play, maybe I need to get on that is like what does what is poor things about? Yeah. And there's just I feel like there's a lot of different meanings and I feel like everyone can interpret it a little bit yeah. differently cuz we're all kind of doing this at a much slower pace ourselves. Yeah. We all started really dumb. We're all going to get smarter, and then we're going to get dumb again when we're old. I'm already on the de- decline, baby. Yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> no, 100%, like you said, it's it's there's so many different interpretations, and there is a lot of different ones that are right. I mean, you look at it from the maturing and seeing the world around you. You can look at it from the liberation and, and, mm-hmm. and her having that. You know, she was fucking trapped and, and not allowed to leave and cooped up in, in the lab house? I don't know. It's kind of both. Yeah. And, you know, windows were locked and shit. And then she meets this guy who's freedom. Come have an adventure with me and, and make your own path type thing. And so she jumps at the opportunity, leaves with him, goes out and does her own thing. And so there's there's that angle from it. There's so many different ways to watch this movie. But watching it all unfold and especially viewing it through the eyes of, of Emma Stone's um, Bella. Mm-hmm. It's just so fucking cool. Yeah, I mean, this article talks about it's a reminder and a blueprint, a reminder not to become as cynical as Harry Astley, the guy on the boat who's very cynical, mm-hmm. or as resigned as Mrs. Prim, the other person on the boat. You can remain optimistic, inquisitive, and determined, and Bella is the blueprint for that. You can't be her, but you can channel and draw strength from her idealism, which is the hallmark of an enduring character. This yeah. It's dot com. 100% right. I do like that, that duality of those two characters. Mm-hmm kind of showing the spectrum of both ends of it and her just trying to find where she falls in between within the line. Yeah. Within the lines. That's <laughs> a good one. That is a, that is a good call tie. Yeah, I think they, they p- said that they said the name of the podcast in the podcast. Jay. Oh, I think they saw her podcast name. I was like, Hmm, what if we made a movie about someone falling within the yeah, lines? We inspired this. Um, and this is also, there's like, you hear that? Yeah. It's I don't irons. know if the podcast listeners well That's it's a very fast cop car drove by. Um, there's also I'm pretty sure this is based off a novel a book so another? I'm sure that explores in deeper yeah, another cop car here comes another one well <laughs> I live right next to the police station so I'm sure something's <laughs> happening that way fantastic that's not good when there's three yeah all just hauling ass usually it's just one okay well they drove away from us yeah, so that's always oh, good four? Oh my god okay we, there was a total of I think seven cop cars that drove by mm. we paused the podcast don't remember the final point I was making but the overall <laughs> point is this movie can be interpreted in different ways? It's it's a journey through life and different mindsets that are in life: cynical, optimistic, furious, jumping, driven. Yeah. Do uh, you even get the freaking the trauma that Willem Dafoe's character has? Talking about how his dad used to always experiment on him, and the whole time he's just talking about how much of a brilliant man his dad was and everything, and not like <laughs> internalizing. Like, hey, he, he beat me. <laughs> yeah, internalizing that trauma. The point I was making. This is a, I believe based off a novel. Yeah, a 1992 novel um i'm sure that explores those um themes maybe even a little bit deeper but yeah man explores it a lot obviously a frankenstein uh inspired movie as well oh 100% yeah uh let's jump over to key elements key elements tie yeah. um why don't you start us off yeah i i mean so this movie is categorized as a comedy drama romance sci-fi uh on no, that's on both Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb. It's a lot of different things. That's a great way to look at it, because it is. This movie is very multifaceted. Mm-hmm. It, it is funny. It's dramatic. Obviously, there's fucking mad scientist thing going on, and there's the the romance aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite funny. I, I, I laughed throughout with yeah. the dark kind of humor. Um, Mark Ruffalo cracked me the fuck up through this whole film. Yeah, he's good in this. He was fantastic. I can't wait to talk about him more in characters, but um <laughs> no, he was fantastic and I think that this whole story of her life and seeing the ups and downs and those new new experiences like you feel the dramatic elements of it. Yeah. and stuff. And and the the trauma, uh, it's accelerated trauma. She wasn't with him for very long, but the trauma of being cooped up versus going out and all of that shit along with that sci-fi element of it of seeing this character progress in in such a weird way it's it's a very like human story with all these different aspects of it told in the wildest fucking way possible yeah which makes it very enjoyable i i'm at a 19 out of 20 for key elements i think it's funny i think it's dramatic um i again the sci-fi part of it i don't uh, kind of back burner but it's very funny very dramatic great pacing i enjoy the 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 commentary uh not commentary, but I—I I don't know what the fuck I'm trying to say here. Political commentary, but about life and not politics. Yeah, societal. <laughs> yeah, societal I commentary. Don't know. Um, throughout the entire thing, it's fantastic. Bella Baxter. Um, I gave it a twenty. Oh, I just um, the way this comes together. Now, let me read you. I've been reading you a lot of smart things that people said. Ty. Hmm. Um. And I, I buried the lead of, uh, I saw one really smart one that I wanted to repeat to you. And I just, I need to pull it up. I lost it. Uh, I saw it over here on Google. It was from a very reliable, trusted film review person. Don't do this. Here it is. Um, this person was genuinely blown away about how, how all of the elements, keyword key elements, Oh, the cinematography, the acting, the plot, All come together to tell this deeper story about humanity and liberation. So well made. Yeah. (laughs) Whoever wrote that knows what they're talking about. Jay, who's the author of that? It doesn't matter. Who's the author of that? Doesn't matter. Was it you? It was me. It was my tweet about this film. Yes. (laughs) It It was my tweet about this film on January 3rd. That's when I saw this, January 3rd. So we're a month out. Yeah. It's weird because it's like usually when I look at key elements, I'm like how well of a Marvel movie is this Marvel movie? Yeah. How funny is this Will Ferrell movie? How is the music in this musical, you know, all, yeah. whatever. This is a little bit different where it's like, A, it's extremely well made, which we're already alluding to, you know, just talking about the film already. But the way everything comes together to fi- to create this cohesive thing that gets the story told, but like, it all just pieces together in a different way. And you almost don't even realize it. Maybe even at the time, I certainly didn't until like I had this moment at the end. And there's a theme I've noticed about this film and other films I've liked that we can get to at the end or when we get to there in that conversation. But it just all comes together. And then when you're looking at it retrospectively, you're just like, wow, like the way the, I I don't want to jump the gun, but the way the cinematography was versus the way the acting was and all these different things. Like, It all came together so well. I thought it was legitimately funny. I thought it was legitimately moving. I I wouldn't say I cried or anything like that, but it was legitimately, you know, you felt something. Um, So I always say I love movies that make me laugh and make me cry. This didn't make me cry, but it still made me feel. And it's a 20 for me. Like, I just think this movie was so beautifully made and it it did what it wanted to do. And like when a bird brain like me can understand your deeper meaning and what you're trying to accomplish, like that's a big deal. Yeah. I got a bird brain. Yeah, you do. I've said it time and time again. I'm going to get shirts made. <laughs> no, I, I entirely agree. I'm at a 19 because it didn't it didn't get a tier. You find a way to get mm. a tier from me. And mm. It's perfect. But no, I, I think when you have so many different themes and, and elements to a movie, it can get jumbled and you can be like, what the fuck am I watching? This is a mess. Yeah. This does yeah. it in such a good way. Where it just works. It's funny when it needs to be funny. It's dramatic when it needs to be a dramatic. It's... It's quirky. Quirky. to be quirky. But it makes sense. Yeah. It it just works so well together. I think if you watch half this movie with how quirky it is, you're kind of like, what the hell's going on? And then it all comes together at the end. Which leads me, I'll just jump straight into visual cinematography. Why'd you shake your head? Everything okay? Oh, no, it's great. (laughs) The way this movie was made, it starts off in black and white and then eventually gets into color. Mm -hmm. And it starts off in... The settings are these crazy, uh, out of your imagination, lucid dream type settings where they're in like this this tr- this car, but it's like a horse, yeah. a car with like a horse head. It's and a then fake horse and carriage. She's walking around like the city and there's like floating trolleys in the sky. And there's a staircase to nowhere um, in the, the pit to where all the slaves are. Yeah. And there's these beautiful sweeping purple skies when she's on the boat and all this stuff. Initially, when I was watching it, I was just like, oh, this is a quirky filmmaker. He wants it to be – he just wants it to look weird. Like that's the theme of the movie. You know, the guy's burping – Willem Dafoe's character is (laughs) burping the bubbles and everything. So I was like, oh, it's just – that. that's just how the filmmaking is. I respect it. It looks beautiful. I'm going to give it a high score. And then the movie, as she gets smarter, gets more and more based in reality to the point where she has a whole scene where she's walking with uh, her husband that proposed to her. Um, whatever his name is, I do not know that character's name. Oh gosh, uh, let me scroll up. Uh, I'm scrolling up. Max McCandles, yeah. I believe, was his name. With Max, and they're literally just walking by the lake, and it's the most grounded in reality, uh, thing ever. And even like, even if you like don't notice it, they make sure to kind of throw it in your face. Like they show a scene of the car specifically that she wrote in in the beginning, and it's just a normal car. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of hard to miss the the drastic changes and how it was so just the quirky i don't even know like the words to explain it and then just transitions in this based in reality like style i can't remember a movie i've ever seen that did that so effectively and so seamlessly it wasn't like a switch was flipped black and white to color yes there was a switch that was flipped but it wasn't like a switch that was flipped it was like a gradual transition and by the end of it i finally realized like holy shit like they've been doing this the whole time and i want to go back and watch it because they're doing that I'd give it more than twenty points if I could. This yeah. is the strongest twenty I could give because the cinematography made the movie better and went along with the story, and it just looked gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Now, my one, so like my thought on that is, it's you have this childlike imagination at the beginning of what the world can be. So you see things in such a childish, through fake, her, yeah, through her lens, an imaginative way yep. of how vibrant, and incredible it is, and as she gets matured and and more grounded in reality it looks like a regular fucking setting in and, and cities and and you know and i guess the turning point to that was when she saw the the poor people that's when you start kind of getting more and more based in reality yeah, but yeah, yeah no exactly 100 percent. my one thing i didn't understand and i'm hoping you can help me ex- explain this to me mm-hmm. the switch from black and white to color and then kind of back black back to black and white sometimes and then out of black and white did you understand why... I don't why, remember them going white? back to black and white. So it was black and white at the beginning, and then we get color with Bella, and then we jump back to black and white when it's just um, William Defoe and the Max character. Mm. Help, me. got you. Help me understand this. Okay, well, the black to white and to color is... Uh, you have a child. Aren't babies colorblind when they're born? Mm. Or is that just like a yeah, myth They I are. Learned? So maybe that's the, po- the point there, is that it's like... It's just supposed to be more of her... Um, growth and as she got a little bit older when it switches to colors when she goes on that uh excursion with mark ruffalo's character yeah or it might be a little bit before that but i'm pretty sure that's exactly when it did um so that might have just been her like kind of growing up from baby for lack of a better word to adolescent, adolescent. yeah maybe the reason why willem defoe and what's his name are in black and white is maybe he the filmmaker was trying to stay true to the Everything is seen in Bella's eyes. And when she left them, she was still in that black and white phase. So when mm. we go back to them, they still have to be in that black and white phase until she comes back and then sees them in the more grounded in reality. Now, is that the way. case, th- though? Because when she leaves, it's like, a, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to be... Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But she's writing back to home. Okay. But I'm just saying they cut back to scenes of them. And I think how i would explain it i don't know if this is right i have to ask mr yorgos lanthimos send him um, an email i will i'll send him an email i'll say hey is this what i i, I might be able to find this email <laughs> um, that's just how i interpreted it was like he wanted everyone to see the, the the filmography was meant to be through her eyes so when we or her like mind i guess And mm-hmm. the last time she saw them she was still in that black and white mind So, as the moviegoers, we had to see them still in that black and white mind because that's still what she kind of saw when she thought back to them, if that makes sense. Okay. I can understand that. That would be my explanation. I didn't think about this beforehand. This is just on the spot trying to explain it. uh, Hopefully, it's not an Irish Civil War situation. Yeah, it may be. Regardless, even if I take away one point for not understanding black and white. Then they have title cards that are just fucking fantastic. They're such good title <laughs> yep, yep. cards. They're just such hallucinogenic, mind-tripping cards. Mm-hmm. And I love good title cards. We're back to a 20. <laughs> love it's, it. It's a perfect 20. This movie looks incredible. And it looks incredible in so many different ways. Yeah. Like the black and white feels so fucking um I don't, old. It I feels like to... it was shot in 1940s yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's set like that. And then we go and we just get incredible visuals. When she's out on the boat in those cities and and almost like futuristic fake, yeah,
0: trippy. futuristic
1: but old still. Yeah, like, it was just like retro futuristic. The the set pieces when she's in uh, Portugal and on the boat with the sweeping skylines and everything, like yeah, un, just unbelievable. And then we get to the end and it's just like this just looks really nice. Regular settings, but really nice. Yeah, it looks it looks fantastic in so many but, like, different ways. Plain on purpose at the end. Yeah, though, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God, exactly. And that's why it's like, I I don't even know how to fully articulate, but it just looks so fucking good. Like, if I have a full black and white movie that commits to that, I'm going to give them some credit. Last week, we did the holdovers. I gave it a 17 out of 20 because of how- Not black and white, but very- Correct. Not black and white, but dated on purpose on that. But then you get mind trippy fucking scenes. I'm going to give that a good score all by itself. Yeah. And then you just get really well shot grounded in reality scenes- That's going to get a good score for me. This movie has all of it. Yeah. It has everything all together. I can't imagine how hard this was to film and lay everything out. A, from the perspective of like cinematography on the cutting room floor. Like, When do we want these scenes to take place? Because all of that is very integral into how we're going to shoot it and film it. And then moving on to characters, if we can. Mm Mm-hmm. How fucking hard do you think it was for Emma Stone to record this and have, like, different levels of intelligence when films very much are not shot in chronological order? And to give – like, day one, she's a fucking doctor. Day two, she's a baby. Well, this would be one of the things, which maybe there's a way to – I'll go Google this, see if there's anything online. This is one of those movies where it would have helped to film it in order. Oh, it would have been so much easier. But I'm, I'm sure they didn't. No movie is filmed in order. It's so unpractical. When you have scenes all taking place at the beginning middle, and end of the movie at the the lab in the house, you're gonna shoot those all together, yeah, on the boat and yeah. on the trip and different things like those are gonna get shot all together despite where they take place in the in the story. It's gotta be so fucking hard to give a performance like that. Everything I'm seeing about i googled it every everything's just talking about the dance scene between her and Ruffalo, so it doesn't seem like there is a uh concrete answer, but yeah, you're right i I doubt there was ever uh you know thing i guess the 1992 novel says it was satirical so victorian horror and snippets of fairy tale but yeah i don't know i said it last week um i'm a little bit of a sucker for maybe more over the top performances than grounded in reality performances that's just my preference yeah um it's it's i think a very uh topical debate in the film bro and cis community of what is more impressive a grounded in reality performance that's heartbreaking like killers of the flower moon Mm -hmm. or a eccentric it feels like they're working for lack of a better word uh performance like this i always tend to gravitate to something like this a little bit more yeah and with that being said like emma stone was just the performance in this um out of this world man really out of this world uh to do what she did And the way she did it and the, the development she did it and how she gets smarter as the movie goes on, but not too quick.
0: Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin-Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. Buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.
1: It's a slow, gradual build. Obviously, the director has a big saying in that as well. And being believable at every turn. um, Just my favorite performance of the year, man, woman, anything, um, quite frankly. Like, if there was just a best overall, yeah, I would vote her. Um, The side characters all work for me. I think uh, Mark Ruffalo should win best supporting. I said that last week. I think Willem Dafoe could have got nominated. I even think the one guy who her husband, who Max. already said his name and forgot, Max, um, um I thought he was good for what he was. Rami Yusuf. I thought he was good for what he was. And the Mrs. Prim and the Harry Astley characters, they were, you know, in the movie for a short time, but they provided a uh you know, a good anchor for the story and even the the characters when she is in the uh in the, the prostitution house, you know, I thought all they were, all of them yeah. worked. Her dick husband at the very end thought he played a very convincing dick husband. Yeah. Real asshole. Uh, Yes. Yes, very big asshole. Definitely deserved to get his brain swapped with a goat. <laughs> yeah. That goes back to the plots in the story. You see why the original Bella Baxter committed suicide, and then you see the new Bella Baxter with her new uh, input on life taking control of her own situation, yeah. which is what she did. I gave it a 20. Rare yeah. for me rare to give a 20 out of 20 for characters didn't but even give it to Oppenheimer which notably has more oscar nominated
0: and it has it
1: comes down to the fact that Emma Stone is quote unquote working like i said i just i'm always going to slightly prefer that i don't have my joker score handy with me cuz i didn't keep a track on a sheet back then i know we gave a fantastic i'm sure i gave score. probably gave that a 20 there probably isn't very many 20s in my repertoire there's none on my sheet that i have that i can see so yeah i definitely give more 20s for characters than you do Mm. I found one. I found a few. I've given a few. Hit me. One of them's ridiculous. You're going to get mad at me. Hit me. I'm going to be pissed three. off. Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Love it. Fantastic roles. Marriage Story, which is very grounded reality, but yes. that movie messed me up. No. Yeah. That's just. You told me about that movie. I finally watched it when I either was sick with the COVID vaccine mm. or sick with COVID. One of the two. Okay. And it messed me up. Yeah. Big time. Number three, Talladega Nights. <laughs> it's great comedic performances top to (laughs) bottom of that cast people aren't going to respect it but like if it's a tv show and it's best at performance in a musical or comedy many awards being won in that movie you didn't shit on me and i appreciate it yeah no jay that's what we're here for okay we give love across the board (laughs) okay thank you (laughs) that's a a great score okay those are my only other 20s i have recorded since i kept it in a sheet that's kind of wild though but (laughs) 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 um yeah i i'm i tend to agree with you like i I obviously think the movie nomadland and like we talked about it and that movie really just hurts my brain on how to try and comprehend the acting performance (laughs) yeah because she's just she's just a person i'm giving that performance every day but like does that make it a good performance correct me if i'm wrong didn't wasn't there actual real nomads in that it was like half fake half documentary yeah that's a good like to do that is pretty impressive We didn't give it a great score, but that's still pretty impressive. Yeah, it still blows my mind. And I said when we reviewed it, like it hurts my brain thinking about how to score this. This doesn't hurt my brain. This is really fucking hard to do. (laughs) And for that reason, like it's so much more straightforward and cut. I I agree. I think Emma Stone's fantastic. I think... Was it Lily Gladstone? Yes. I think she gives a great performance grounded in reality and emotional for sure. But... I tend to I tend to lean this way. I, I think Emma Stone should win because it's it's so fucking hard to do. Not only give this performance, but like when you really think about like the behind the scenes, it's so much harder to give this type of performance. Yeah, like you have to just on each day like, hey, we're at a three on the maturity scale today. <laughs> yeah, we're at a six, and you just have to like adjust on the fly and know how your character's going to interact and walk and the body yeah. motion and and your dialogue.
0: Changes and you're doing it all out of
1: order, like you said, so it's hard to maybe keep that, the gradual increase. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking hard. To go from being three to 21, for lack of a better word, back to four to eight to back to three. Are like, you doing ages? Your opinion, yeah. I was doing one to 10, so you really threw me off with a 21. Oh, bit. yeah. I was doing ages, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's got to be so fucking hard. And on top of that, the supporting cast is fantastic. Yeah. I still I think I still lean RDJ for best supporting. Mm. Ruffalo's a close two, though. I Again, I I prefer the workers. Yes. I workers rights, baby. Mark Ruffalo's fucking hilarious in this movie though. He's so good. And he just loses his sh- he's so like such a like ultra confident dickbag. Yeah. Oh. Into just a whiny little bitch. <laughs> Connivaling, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so fucking funny and fantastic to watch that switch. And you, yeah, you see his character deteriorate because yeah. of Bella Baxter's growth. Growth slash kind of not being tied to societal norms and her sense of wonderment, you know? Yeah, 100%. William Defoe, I, I, he does good for his small role. He's supposed to be a very serious, stoic character, but does a great job in that. I like the Max character. I like the two the two add ons on the boat, Miss Prim, they and, make sense. And what They're, was the other one? Uh, I don't remember his name, but they make sense. They're yeah. not just in the film to be in the film. Her prostitute friend who briefly eats her out. Harry Astley was the guy on the boat. Okay, yeah, her her prostitute friend, fantastic, mm-hmm. does a great job. Love that performance with like everyone across the board. Asshole husband deserved to be a goat. Great asshole. <laughs> like everyone carries their weight, and then you just have two really good shining performances at the top of that. With Emma Stone and Ruffalo. And I didn't even mention the jarring. This is back to my great holdovers point from last week. One of my best points I've ever made on the podcast. Okay. Of the kid being I don't a even, jerk. I don't even remember it. The kid being a jerk at the end versus the beginning. At the beginning, it was a comedic oh. thing. and At the end, it was like a serious ear jerk. Yeah. Everything changed around it except him. You get Bella Baxter reuniting. Not reuniting, but uh, coming back and there's a new Bella Baxter. They tried making another one. Yeah. And the the stark difference between how educated and everything uh, Emma Stone's character looks versus the new version of her, and like it, then it smacks you in the face, like wow, yeah, this like, development has happened, and I almost I noticed, but I didn't notice because it was so gradual. It's just such a slow two and a half hours, nearly, of buildup to get to that point, and then it, it's kind of like like with kids, like you'll you'll say Xander looks so much older every time you see him. And so I don't much see him bigger every day. Because you don't see him every day. So to see yeah. that jump of like, holy shit. And that just puts it right in your face. She's looking herself in the mirror, but two and a half hours ago, movie time. Mm-hmm. Wild. I wish I saw Xander every day. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's great performances, top to bottom. Everyone does a great job at doing what their job is. Um, did you give your score? Twenty. Wow. I think I said twenty. If I didn't, yeah. it's a twenty. I don't know if you did, but I appreciate the score. Yeah. It's fantastic. Everyone does so fucking good. Last 20 I gave, can you guess? For characters? Yeah. Uh, you love an ensemble cast. So, The Iron Claw? <laughs> no. Oppenheimer. I gave that a 19, I think. Ridiculous. It's the little extra bit of working. I don't know. Yeah. Enjoyment. This is always, like, my favorite category because we could, like, bash a movie and then be like, it was pretty fun. <laughs> 17. <laughs> or, in this case, I could talk about how just well made this movie is and so far it is two points off a perfect score through four categories it is a 78 out of 80 so far yeah so then you like anyone listening is like enjoyment's got to be a 20 right all he's been doing is raving about this film i gave it a 16 <laughs> okay um it's just it's one of those examples of i enjoy it like i obviously i enjoy talking i maybe enjoy talking about the film more than the film itself. i shouldn't say it like that that makes me seem like i didn't like the film but no, I think there is, like, when we actually dive into it and talk about how much we appreciate the different aspects yeah. of it, it can be viewed differently than how much we actually enjoyed watching it. Yeah, and, like, at the end of the day, like, obviously the 16 is a very high score. So sometimes I have a tendency to down-talk when I don't give, like, a 20. I'm not going to do that here. I- I'm not going to explain why I didn't get a 20. I'll just say I enjoyed it a lot. There's a lot of sex, and, you know, that can be hard to digest for some. And oh, yeah. maybe the 16 out of 20 is a <laughs> reflection of that for just – the average movie goer. Yeah. Um, and look, like, the enjoyment category is meant to be a little bit of turn your brain off Hollywood action. So I enjoyed how well made this was and really enjoyed everything about it. But, like, yeah, I'm going to give a little bit more love to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, uh, to Spider-Verse, to even Barbie, because it's just a fun movie, you know. So I give that uh, lower than those. And 16 out of 20 is still a very good score. So, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways. I do, like, don't get me wrong, a really well-made movie that Mm. I respect all the different aspects of it. Like, look, we do this every week for fucking years now. I enjoy watching a movie like that, where, like, as I'm watching it, that's just how my brain kind of works now. That ups the enjoyment score a little bit Mm, for me. Your IQ's gotten bigger. It has. Higher. Yeah, I look at it from a different thing and, like, noticing the different cool shit that they're doing. And, like, literally me thinking of behind the scenes, like, wow, this had to have been really fucking hard to film. Mm-hmm. I, that, I get more enjoyment out of films like that. So, I, I, while it's not a popcorn turn your brain off movie, I still really enjoy it. It's still really fucking good. And, and oh. no, I, I was at a 17. I mm-hmm. dropped it down to a 16. I'm back up to a 17. Yeah. Shoot your score, baby. I just, like, it's, it's a 16 and a half, but I'm rounding up here. That's fine. It deserves it. If any movie deserves it, it's this one. It's just so well made and such an enjoyable watch to see the progression and look back on it. And typically movies like this, I wouldn't want to rewatch, but this one, maybe, it, maybe it's a two-watch maximum, but I would love to rewatch it after watching it. It's now. like a, it's a two-watch maximum and then like fif- 10, 15 years goes by and you're like, oh, remember that one mo- yeah. What was that one movie called where Emma Stone was a child and got smarter yeah and maybe xander's a little bit older and maybe xander's a little bit of a film bro yeah you know maybe he just watched pulp fiction or something he's oh like, yeah he's into it i really love how this is blah 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 or like he's, gone through, or he's gone through puberty already it's a deep voice 15 in 15 years yeah i would hope so <laughs> yeah. i hope he went through puberty hear, at sixteen. The, the... <laughs> um, <laughs> and you're like hey let me show you this movie and then victoria's like yeah. hey maybe don't show him the movie that has no no 20 no. no. Minutes it's a, it's a victoria's at work don't tell your mom <laughs> victoria's with the girls yeah movie yeah, night yeah uncle Jay's coming over <laughs> <laughs> no 100 um, percent. and like when you see how it all unravels and like i, I want to go back and watch it again with the knowledge of how everything plays out and the different things because i'm gonna pick up on more shit the second watch i know i am yeah and i'm just gonna enjoy it that much more yeah no for sure for sure ty um i will say with my 16 it gives me a final score so, if you saw my tweet, I said it was the second best movie I've seen in 2020. Uh, second best 2023 movie that uh, that came out in 2023. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it in 2023. Uh, and that's because it got the same score as Oppenheimer. And the only reason I put Oppenheimer above it, my rule is when I'm ranking them, is whatever gets the higher enjoyment if you have the same score. Oh, that's the tiebreaker? Is the tiebreaker. What's your secondary tiebreaker? I don't know. I mean, I've never had to use a secondary tiebreaker. If you do in the future. Key Elements, maybe? Flip a coin and whatever you hope the result is on, you know what I'm saying, yeah, when you like when it's in the air, you're hoping for something, yeah. that's the answer. you don't even have to let the coin that decide. happened to me the other day. I didn't actually flip a coin, but it was like something was gonna happen i this is horrible radio, it was just something in my life, okay, and it was like I might do this or I might do that, yeah. and then I realized like, oh, I'm kind of hoping for that to happen. Yeah. Why don't I just do that? yeah, self so split, no idea what it was,, yeah. you just hacked your subconscious, yeah. 16 out of 20, giving it a final score of 94 out of 100, tie. Same mm. score as Oppenheimer, one of the highest scores I've ever given. Yeah. I mean, this doesn't... We get close a lot, but it's rare that we give the exact same score. I'm at a 94 out of 100. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, now, with that being said, I did give Oppenheimer a better score, I believe. I gave Oppenheimer 98. Mm-hmm. Hard to fucking top. Respect the fuck out of that movie. Respect this movie. But both 94s gives us a 94 out of a hundred, making this the third ranked film out of two hundred and fourteen films we have reviewed. Yeah. It is with the likes of the Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. The elite of the elite. Wolf of Wall Street, exact same score. Oppenheimer two points lower. Two Guardians points, Yeah. Yeah, two points lower than Oppenheimer. than Oppenheimer. Yeah. Um Guardians of the Galaxy volume three, which obviously we fucking loved. Marcel the Shell was shoot it's in it's top five, baby. Oh, I need to tell Josh about Marcelo shoes on. He's a big film guy. We might have him on the pod one day. I would love that. How about Ben Ben's always asking to be on the pod, and I might just extend an offer to Josh. Yeah, I'd break his heart. Um, I will say Josh said this movie was okay. Poor things, yeah, okay. So maybe upon hearing us talk about it, he'll be like, "Huh, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, maybe he'll give it a little yeah. bit of a bump now this it makes me sad that poor things came out this year because I'm looking at like the previous best picture winners and um. What even won last year? Oh, Everything Everywhere All at yeah. Once, which got a high score, 91.5. I give it a 93, only one point lower than this. So yeah, it just feels like this movie was second, might come second place this year. I actually wouldn't be surprised if it won. And quite frankly, I wouldn't be upset. My vote would be Oppenheimer um, if I were to be on the ballot. Um, but it's like a 1A, 1B situation for me personally, where if I'm not outraged if Poor Things wins. I understand it. Um, but it feels like go back to 2020, 2019 was such a good movie year. So maybe not that year, but go back to 2020. It might win any of those years. Honestly, like looking at the layout of both movies, Oppenheimer, obviously Christopher Nolan, fucking blockbuster. Everyone best director to Hollywood. in Hollywood looked fantastic. He's the best director in Hollywood. Yeah. He's the show. Well He's the five tool player of Hollywood. He's must see. I'm going to go see Tenet in IMAX. Yeah. It's because I haven't on. seen it yet. And I just, that gives me hope that interstellar will one day be back in IMAX. Oh, 10-year anniversary this year. Interstellar? Yep. 2014 is when it came out. One well, month? Ugh. I don't know. You, don't you just just really know put song. me on the spot. I, 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 need, look. I need, You knew the year. I thought you would have the month off the top of your head. <laughs> uh, you know, like, October. October? Yeah, October 26th. Halloween? We going to see fucking Interstellar and IMAX? October 26th is a Saturday. So if they were to do a... It makes sense. It makes sense. That'd be so fucking cool. It makes sense. That'd be so fucking cool. <laughs> it would. I would love that. No, I I mean, Oppenheimer obviously has, like, the popularity. This feels more like an Oscar-winning Best Picture movie, though. But they changed how they do it. I say that all the time. Yeah. It's a ranking system now. It's not who gets the most first-place votes. And this is one of those movies where there's a lot of sex, and people might rank it a little bit lower because of that. You know what I mean? No, I don't know, but, like, film bros, not film bros, but old man film bros, the, the Oscars voters, mm-hmm. I feel like they're, like, we respect the mature... Theme, you didn't shy away from that. How could we become in the in the academy be like sixty years older? I feel like it's only ancient <laughs> motherfuckers. That was a good answer. Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I don't know. That'd be that awesome. Was, just just be sixty years older and then we're in. Yeah, there's a few like unrealistic life goals I have that like will never happen, but that's mm-hmm. one of them. Is like just be in the academy. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to make it happen. Another one is write a Simpsons episode. I know I'll never write a Simpsons episode. That'll never happen. But just like if I had, if I had like three career wishes, if a career genie came by, mm-hmm. it's like you can't wish for money. You can't wish for like like a job type. Like you can't ask to be president of Fan Sided. You just have to ask like three cool career opportunities or something like that. It'd be Simpsons episode. It'd be, be in the academy. And I don't really know what third one is. I haven't thought about it. Maybe just grow the podcast. That'd be sick. Even though it's kind of a money thing. Look, if we grow the podcast, you're already technically a writer. Not that kind of writer, but a writer. Mm-hmm. You might be able to sneak on to the later season of The Simpsons. Maybe write a novel, but that's something I could probably actually do. I don't think I need yeah. a genie for that. No. Maybe write the novel, that foot in the door for Simpsons. They have an episode with Jess and Herbert stars. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? That'd be pretty cool, Jay. Um, what were you looking up? How to be in the Academy? Yeah, I was trying to see how to join the Academy. Uh, it's probably invite only. How you think it's to join the Academy of oh, Motion Pictures? Is that what it's called? I just put Academy Oscars. Uh, the Academy's membership process is by sponsorship, not application. Ooh, Candidates okay. must be sponsored by two Academy members from the branch to which the candidate seeks admission. You got to know people. Additionally, Academy Award nominees are automatically considered for membership and do not require sponsors. Oh, so if you get, so I have to get nominated for an, uh, an Academy Award. Academy Award nominees. How big is I'm actually considered a, a lot of people, a lot of people. See, I was out under the oppression. It was just a bunch of old fucks. No, it's a lot of people. But you're telling me Emma Stone's part of the academy? D- yes. Does she vote? I don't know. Interesting. Um, but over ten thousand five hundred. <gasps> really? Yeah. It's big. Yeah. I was thinking maybe like uh like like MVP, which is like mm. fifty two guys in the country who vote. Well, we have over 10,000 people deciding the Oscars, and we only have, I think it's like a dozen people that decide the MPAA ratings, and no one knows who they are, so. Yeah, those people are fucking mystery. Yeah. I watched a whole documentary on it. It's like blimps. Do you know how many blimps there are in the world? Seven. Yeah, I don't know, but it's not (laughs) that many. One flew over a Sperry the other day. Did you see it? Yeah. Took a picture of it. I was like, there's a Goodyear blimp just flying by for no reason. (laughs) Those fucking people are as rare as blimps. There's a whole documentary. It's uh I forgot what it's called, but I'd go I'd recommend it. Interesting. The best part about the documentary is about how flawed the MPAA is. It's ridiculous. And like the difference if you get an R rating or a non-rated, mm-hmm. you know, and how they're uh they contradict some of their policies. Like they'll let this happen and still be R, but if this happens which seems not as bad, it's not rated. Yeah. Um, and the best part of the whole thing is at the very end, uh they send the documentary to the MPAA to get it reviewed. The whole documentary where they're bashing them the whole time. Fuck. And then yeah. in the documentary itself, it's like now we're going to send it to the MPA or whatever, and it's pretty funny. What do they get? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a big part of that. Um, I think it got not rated. Oh, they didn't even – they wouldn't accept it. The film is called – this film is not yet rated. Not yet rated. That's the name of the film. But did it ever get rated? Mm. Uh, I'm not sure. Fuck. Uh, no- Therefore, the oh yeah, the MPAA rated an early version of the film NC-17 because it showed NC-17 uh, scenes, and then the the filmmaker, who was Mister Kirby Dick, mm-hmm. appealed this rating <laughs> so he could chronicle both the rating and the appeals process of the early version of the film in the final version, which, true to title, is not rated. So the early version. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What's his fucking name? Kirby Dick. Kirby Dick. <laughs> Kirby Brian Dick. <laughs> I don't know why, but Brian makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. Uh, one last poor things point. I didn't I never landed the ship. Yeah. I said there's something I noticed about films that I like, and it's the slow, gradual it is a slow, gradual turn development, whether it's the change of cinematography, and I say that to go back to the creator, and the thing I love the most about that film was the gradual transition from the good guys and the bad guys swapping in the yeah. mind of the audience. When a movie does that, and it's not just like a turning point because 90% of movies are just turning points. But you get that slow turn, slow build, slow reversal, whatever. I'm a sucker for that every single time. So that's just, I think what made me like, it's part of the reason why I like this so much and why I liked the creator. Yeah. you only gave it an 83, but
0: it's for a lot that of that movie. That's a great. Yeah. Score.
1: And that's fair. <laughs> no, I, I enjoy those a lot. I also enjoy like oh fuck moments, too. Mm-hmm. Like I think of uh, another Mark Ruffalo banger with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, was it Shutter Island? Never seen it. It's like got a ruin oh, for me. It's like an oh fuck moment at the end, and then you go back and you see like all the hints of it. I feel like both are fantastic. Best Scorsese movie. Mm, Most no. like M Night Shyamalan Scorsese movie. Oh yes, <laughs> confidently yes. <laughs> <laughs> no wolf of wall street Corsese. oh yeah that's the thing that really makes me upset we do shit to Corsese a lot and t- he has so one of our highest rated movies ever he's third on our scale yeah just chilling up there but we are man enough to not give him let him coast by and he should want that out of this two podcasters he should want us to hold him accountable that's who he's looking towards he doesn't want all these people that are just yeah you're so great everything you make is great no he wants to be held accountable yeah and we hold him accountable you think he gets sick of the Oscars? Like, I can't believe they're just fucking praising me again. Yeah, God. like, I tried making that movie boring. They don't get it. <laughs> that would actually be pretty funny if, like... He was like, that's why I self-funded it, so I can make it bad. <laughs> He's, well, Apple funded it. It's uh, Coppola self-funding the movie this oh, year. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Apple paid a lot of money for this not-that-great movie. Just so they can say they have an Academy Award-winning movie under their belt. So, uh, it was... Academy El- Award nominee. Well, they're hoping it's it's yeah. gonna win nominee those. If it's Killers of Flower Moon wins best picture, I might actually write. <laughs> I might show up at the the Dolby Theater or whatever it is and a picket fence. Maybe a maybe a torch on fire. Oh. No structural damage. I don't want to go to jail. Yeah. But I'll have a light up Tiki torch. Okay. That you buy from my like home depot. Okay. I'll do it. You got my word, Ty. Killers of Flower Moon wins best picture, I'll do it. I don't know, man. It says the film was produced by Scorsese's Sicula Productions and DiCaprio's P and Way Yeah, they produced it, but Apple pays for, paid for everything, I'm pretty sure, still. It was like a $300 million movie. It makes no sense. We talked about this. How was that movie $300 million? It's literally money laundering. Oh, entirely. So is everything Marvel. How much did Poor Things... Didn't even address that. Like $30 million, I was looking at it. It made money. $35 million, That's insane. To make a movie that looks this beautiful. This fucking good. Yeah. Can you imagine what these directors would do with that much money? Sell out because they all sell out yeah. except Christopher Nolan. Yeah, that's true. He's the the gold he standard. He gets a two hundred million dollar budget and he still goes practical. Yeah, he's our north star. Um, is AI coming for our jobs? Time this to find the, out. Uh, poor things above the line. That goes without saying. Yeah, <laughs> is AI coming for our jobs? Uh, Emma Stone puts her jerk husband into a goat and he becomes like a goat guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. And dude. There's a lot of uh, experimental. Animals in this film from Willem Dafoe's character. There was like a, I think it was a pig chicken at one point. Picking. A picking. Chug? Uh, or a chug. I kind of like chug. Yeah, we're going to go chug. So I just asked ChatGPT, hey, ChatGPT, name one actor slash actress to voice over different farm animals and explain why. And then it just told me Morgan Freeman for every farm animal. That, I mean, <laughs> I shit on AI, that's not a bad choice. <laughs> he could play every single animal and I would love it. So then I repeated it, and then I put in parentheses, one actor per farm animal. Thank you. So I got four farm animals. Did did it reuse Martin? No. I uh, would not have told you that. Not Martin with Morgan Freeman. Mor- I would not have told you that if it did. Okay. So we got four characters here, Ty. We're going to An- see animal-based characters? You're going to guess. Yeah, and you're going to say, today I do a good job. Okay. Do Am I guessing animal or actor? I'm going to give you the animal, and then I'm going to give you the explanation. Okay. So the number one is a rooster. Got it. Actors... I'm just, plural actor apostrophe s. No, I'm just going to say Possessive. actor regardless of gender. Actors energetic and comedic voice. I can give you. Should I give you gender? It would help. I have a list okay. of actors. How many people are actors, in the Academy? Hold on. Male. How many people did you say were in the Academy because that's my pool that I have to <laughs> choose from right now. Well, you know they're all going to be big name people. Yeah. Okay, so Actor is a male. Actor's energetic and comedic voice would bring the rooster to life with humor and charisma. Okay. His ability to deliver fast-paced dialogue and comedic timing would make the rooster a memorable and entertaining character. Mm. Okay. Now, I don't know why. My my brain immediately went to Aquafina, but then I was like, rooster, you probably didn't need to tell me gender because rooster's a male. Mm-hmm. That's no, true. I, I stopped myself fa- there. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, right. it'd be a chicken. <laughs> so fast-paced comedic actor lots of energy now will hypothetically speaking would this rooster pair up with maybe a bigger animal to make a great film (laughs) there's always there's endless possibilities okay uh i'm I'm gonna go kevin hart i think kevin hart's fast-paced comedic good energy ding 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 let's go kevin hart is the rooster let's fucking go what do you think of that casting yeah, I mean that works. He's played. Do we like, think roosters are funny though? I think a rooster is more of a leader like no, yeah, his voice. Honestly, I think like I Paracel need someone Ford. who's maybe small but thinks they have a lot of power. Uh, mm. I don't know why my brain goes to John Leguizamo, Because of his awful performance in violin. Yeah. I think he's short, like me. Mm. Tom Cruise? <laughs> I know he's short. I I think maybe uh I, I want a deeper voice. I want oh, the guy Rooster, who voices... hold on Rooster's fucking Top Gun. That's the connection I just made. Mm. That was a call sign. I was thinking the guy who voices Joe Swanson from Family Guy. What's his name? He's a, he, oh. he used to be the old Aquafina, I feel like. He was in every animated movie. Yeah. Patrick Warburton. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great choice. Okay. I don't know, I almost feel like it needs to be a little bit more higher pitched though. That's fair. I'll give you a softball. Aquafina's not on this. Okay. Um I did watch Bolt last week with Riley and there was a comedic character, the cat. I don't know if you've seen Bolt. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's 100%. If I told Riley, I was like, this is the Aquafina role. Yeah. Like, all of these roles now go to Aquafina, where it's like the comedic side character. Yeah. Like, if that movie was made now, it'd be awkward. like, th- th- Does she even go in for auditions anymore? No, I think she's just monopolized. It's like, we have a comedic side character role. in our animated film. Mm-hmm. We're g- like, good for her. No, and she's making fucking bank. Yeah. <laughs> good for her. Yeah. Number two. Actress. This is a sheep. Okay. Actress. Has a versatile voice that can convey both warmth and vulnerability. Mm, okay, she could infuse the sheep with a sense of innocence and empathy, making audience root for the character as they navigate the challenges of farm life. Mm, okay, do I know this actress? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, I'm trying to think. Give me the give me the description. Voice. It was like warm, versatile something. voice. It can convey warmth and vulnerability. Uh, a sense of innocence and empathy. Okay. You're rooting for this character because of their voice. Because of her voice. Oh, man. This one feels more wide. Because I don't know. Does it give me the age of the sheep? Am I am I young sheep, old sheep? It doesn't say. I'm sorry. Young, but I, I'll go on a limb. This person could voice a sheep at any age. That hurts my brain. <laughs> I It'll was make thinking, sense once you hear it. I was thinking a little bit older actress. Mm. But now I'm going back. I feel like... Would you... Does the sheep actress have a connection to you? Not that I know ah, of. Fuck. Connection to me? Not connection, but like you I don't know what you mean by that. I was going to guess Bree Larson, but I'm not going to guess Bree mm. Larson anymore. Mm. I feel like she would have a great voice for a sheep. Well, this is Chat GPT, not Jason GPT. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just that that would have been instead of Morgan Freeman. It's just <laughs> Bree Larson could do all of this. It's <laughs> fantastic. Warm voice. Emma Stone because she's staring right at me, but I feel like her voice isn't as warm. It can be harsh at times. Mm. This is difficult. I don't know where to go here. Got to throw a dart, baby. Give me Scarlett Johansson. She's voiced other people. <sighs> the correct answer is Emma Stone. <laughs> no. <laughs> As I said, she could voice the sheep of any age. God damn it. That's a great, <laughs> that was a subtle little foreshadowing of the answer there, and I hate yep. you for it. Of, what do you think of that casting, Emma Stone? Emma Stone I don't and love sheep. it. I said I didn't okay. love it. Fair. Number three, <laughs> before I even read the descriptor, is a bull. Would you like to take a guess? John Cena. Okay. That doesn't count. Okay. You said that because Ferdinand. Yeah, it was (laughs) Ferdinand. With his powerful and commanding voice, actor would be the perfect fit to voice the bull. He could bring strength, Mm -hmm. determination, and a touch of charm to the character, making the bull a a formidable yet likable presence on the farm. And I'm going to add my own parentheses here that uh, in future iterations of the film, he and the Rooster could yeah. have a team-up movie. Yeah, they do. <laughs> a rooster and a fucking bull, like Timon and Pumbaa. Give me the Rock. <laughs> yeah, it's the Rock.
0: Um, no,
1: that's great casting. Yeah. Rock, powerful. He sounds like a bull. I think John Cena would His, also be a great casting. Uh, you're overlooking the fact that the Rock's nickname is literally the Bra- the Brahma Bull in WWE. Didn't know that. Yeah. So kind of lazy on he's chat. He's got YouTube a lot. Team. He's got a lot of nicknames. Yeah. So. I'm not going to shun myself for not knowing that. People's Champ, People's Champ is the one that comes to mind. Yeah, and 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 The Rock is his nickname. That is, yeah, it's not his legal name. WWE gave him the trademark though. I'm not sure if you saw that. No. Yeah, he's on the TKO board of directors, and they gave him full control of the Rock trademark. Fuck. So yeah. I think he was still paying them. Like how ridiculous. John Cena pays them still every because they trademark his own name. Is that his legal name? Yes. <laughs> How does that? I don't know. How does that work legally? I don't know. He said it in an interview once and I was like, he's like, I'm happy to do it because they gave me their my start. And I'm like, you are getting- He's too nice of a guy. Yeah. He is. He did a podcast where he was talking about like how everyone fucks with him with the you can't see me joke. Yeah. And he's just like, no, I still love it. And I'm like, come on. Just get pissed off at it at one point. I love John Cena. I feel like he's gonna snap one day. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna murder someone. Yeah. Well it's gonna go dark real quick. I hope it doesn't get to that point. Yeah. I love him though. It's fantastic. Uh number four. Duck. Duck. Actress's expressive voice. Now, you would have guessed Hockofina probably for this. Yeah, 100%. A- actress's expressive voice would be ideal for voicing the duck. Hmm. She could capture the duck's curiosity, playfulness, and occasional mischief with authenticity and charm, adding depth to the character. <laughs> okay. I All I can think of is Affleck right now. <laughs> well, that's Gilbert Gottfried, and he's a male. Yeah, I know. That's, oh, that's right. Yeah. That's tough, young young duck. Yeah, give me the descriptors one more time. I'm so uh, sorry. Expressive voice. Okay. Capture the duck's curiosity, playfulness, occasional mischief with occasional authenticity mischief. and charm. So I'm thinking like a younger actress who's played this kind of character before. Well, not a duck, but this kind of uh, thematic character. Okay. Uh, I'm thinking like a Haley Steinfeld. Mm. Um, or I I could go the other route there with um. I'm so disappointed that I'm forgetting her name right now. She, she's Black Widow's sister. Florence Pugh? Florence Pugh. I'll never forget God her God bless name. her. I haven't seen a movie with her in, in recently. Well, it's too long. It's happening soon. It is. I can't wait. I'm going to Haley Seinfeld. Fuck it. She feels like she would play a great duck. Wait, is uh, Florence Pugh not in Argyle? No. God, oh. no. I thought we were talking Dune. No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, totally buried your lead. <laughs> no, it's uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh... She would play a good duck. Okay. She would play a good duck. So you agree with three of the four castings? I do. All right. So is AI coming for our job? They might be. They're doing well, better. I asked for a name for this film with all these characters. And uh it said Barnyard Banter, The Great Farm Adventure. That's a terrible name. They just <laughs> so, lost the job. We're still good for a little while, folks. <laughs> so That's way too that's way too much of a mouthful. Yeah. Give me one give me one word. That's a, a straight to DVD sequel yeah. of the film Barnyard. Yeah. That's just It literally, the second it hits stores, goes onto the clearance shelf. Into the, the bin. One, yeah, the $1 bin. However many dollar bins. I don't know inflation. <laughs> I don't know. Best Buy doesn't even have those anymore, so any physical media. AI may come for a job. Not really. Still not great. AI's learning, kind of like uh, Emma Stone was in Poor Things, Ty. What are we reviewing next week? Next week, we are reviewing the film, and we actually have our, our schedule lined out this time. Did a little bit of work. It's not a last-minute figure out like last week, even though we changed it. <laughs> Correct. Uh, in our defense, there wasn't movies coming out. Yeah, I mean, we, we had a movie come out in three weeks. We so. had a pivot. Yeah. Next week, there is a movie coming out. Trailers. Well, it's technically out today. but yeah. yeah. So many trailers, though. Lots of people Are talking guys about. Our guy is it. in it. Our guy is in it that we just talked about. Yeah. That might snap. Yes, he will. Uh, John Cena. Yep. Lots of other people. I'm not going to go through the whole list. Uh, Argyle. Agent Argyle. Everything says Agent Argyle, but the movie is just Argyle. Yeah. Middling reviews? If you want to be... Uh, generous? Yeah, generous. Yeah. Middling. It's not getting great reviews whatsoever, which is a bummer because the cast is pretty fucking pretty fucking stacked. Yeah, it is. A lot of well-known actors, actresses. We got Superman and Peacemaker on screen together. And Dua Lipa. And Dua Lipa. Or as what's-her-name would say, Dula Peep, Wendy Williams. Is that what she's? <laughs> Yeah, she went through a whole segment calling her dula peep. a fucking idiot. (laughs) I love Wendy Williams. (laughs) I want to remind you, Ty, if you're worried about the score, just remember that law-abiding citizen has a 26. There's always a chance. There's always a chance for Mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we're going to watch it. So go watch it. It's going to be the biggest movie in the past couple of weeks, regardless. Yep. Because I've been marketing the fuck out of it. Yep. So we'll see if it's any good. I'm kind of excited Even if it's bad I'm excited I'm excited to go back To the movies I feel like I haven't Been in a while So I'm just excited Just for that I went yesterday So I don't have The same sentiment But I'm looking forward To it Should be fun You got anything else Jay Nope Uh, Go go follow us on uh, TikTok YouTube Instagram Instagram We're posting shorts Within the lines Within lines pod Within Within lines pod On everything Oh okay I, I made it the same Across the board Great Go follow us Help us out grow the brand. In the meantime, be a good friend, everybody.